broadcasting from a dark basement office. The FBI's most unwanted presents the X-Files podcast. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, hello, hello. It is time to talk about the Gargouis. Gargouis. Joshua. Do you know about the gargouille? The hangover from the Notre Dame. With the a, such, a, such an expression on the face. Yes. Oh, they signal that we will never surrender. Until the Germans come, then we surrender immediately. Rather quickly, because <laughs> let's be honest, Blitzkrieg is scary. <laughs> well, 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 well. We are uh, we're a little delayed getting this one to you. Uh-huh. And that's on me. That's solely on me. And it's all on good. God for not giving rain. Uh, things don't work like that around here. Let me do my bell check. Let me do my bell check. Uh, things don't work like that around here, Josh. We either get the episode to them as a team, or we don't get the two of them as a team. We're we're on to grotesque. Yeah, we're on to grotesque. We're on to grotesque. Uh, <laughs> when he does that in the mic, it makes my day. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 sure. <laughs> He's so disinterested in them. I love it. But anyway, here we go. Grotesque. Season 3, episode 14, I think. 14. Yeah. Yep, 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 That's yep. wild, dude. We're fucking cruising along. And here we go. An episode I don't remember at all. How is that possible? I don't know. What, I, I, what happens to our brains? <laughs> well, you... I mean, it's you years ago I watched You have a tremendous amount of input into your, your brain as far as media goes. So It's too much, to be frank. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, between podcasts and everything else. Yeah, it's funny. Like, you know, I always think about that when I listen to this couple, couple podcasts, like big name podcasts I'm a fan of that kind of talk about, you know, not trivia, but like different interesting kind of things. <clears throat> and they often kind of joke about how it's like they do all this research for these episodes and it's like in one fucking ear and out the other. They, they fucking gorge it and then talk about it, think about it, and then it's gone. And then the next day they're on to something else and... I dig it. When you do uh when you do your amount of podcast, man, I think it must be like that. So it's trimmed though. Let's be real. It's been trimmed. Think about where I was and where I am. Like I let's not don't get it twisted. Daddy's doing all right. I'm, I'm trying to give you a, a proper old fashioned here. I, I I appreciate it. I like a nice western gripper sometimes. <laughs> well, that's but, uh, that's the best way to, for eye to eye face to face contact. Right, right. Yeah. Kind of like it would happen in a shower sometimes. It's mm. a little weird the other way. Mm-hmm. But 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 truth be told, um, I mean, outside of LDI, this every other week, the after show, and then Stranger Things are just in season, and then the occasional, which we have to get back to, that my I'm in that Monday and Wednesday night class. It's kind of cut into Matt and I's ability to uh, to do something, but we're going to do a watch along next week, probably for a Seagal episode. We've been talking about it forever. Well, congrats. That's kind you, of, you finally finished BSG, right? Yeah, man. That's a, that's a big mark. Yep. That's a load off the old shoulders, and we were doing that weekly for like the last six weeks, but... Uh, all that bullshit aside, all of it, all of it can go away, right? Get back up there on the building, turn into a gargoyle, and just chill. Because we've got an episode to talk about. We do. And uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm throwing you. I'm not throwing you. I am, I am sitting <laughs> off the side of the ship, f- splashing my arms wildly in the water, and <laughs> begging, begging and calling for a life preserver to be sent to me because... I have fond memories of this episode, and I enjoyed watching it, but it kind of came off lower than I expected in my personal spectrum, 
And I think it's 99% because my headspace is fucked up and ducked up right now. All right. So that. I just, I think I need, I need you to kind of talk me back into this one. If, if that's where you're at, because I mean, it's a like, there's, there's some shit I really like about this one visually and conceptually. I, I love those aspects of it. Sure. But overall, I came off kind of flat. Okay. Kind of flat from grotesque. All right. Well, listen, begged, begged. Sorry. Batman begins. Anytime somebody says the word beg, I, I just think of Falcone saying, you know, Chili, tell me, tell me your father begged, begged, begged. <laughs> the fucking second one is the dagger on the heart. But no, um, so you're, you're, uh, let me see if I can, um, let me see if I can either get a rescue team in the water. Well, we'll start with a life, a life, some sort of life saving device. We'll throw that over. And if that's too much, if, if, you're, if you're too far away, if, if the ocean is, if your distance between the hull and, uh, and yourself is too great, maybe we'll have to turn the ship out and, and scoop you up, send a dive team something. Maybe we'll pull you out of the water like dead goose off after he hits his head off the canopy. I don't know. But um, I'll try. I'm at a like as well. Um, so there's, there's a lot going on in this episode that I also think is really good. Now... The ramifications, it's funny because the plot, if, if, I, if I may, the plot is there is this FBI agent named uh, Red, whatever the fuck his name is. No, but uh, what's his name? Patterson. Patterson's been pursuing let's, this let's guy for- Let's just call him Red because he's- All right, I'll call him Red. He's Red. So Red's been pursuing this guy for X amount of, X, three years, and he's been uh, unable to, to find him. And this man, uh, I don't know if his name is Moscow or something like that. It's like Moscow with a T. Uh, uh, Moscow. Moscow. Yeah. Yeah, Moscow. I Mostow. kept getting mixed up because <laughs> he's credited as Lavani, one like like Madonna, one one name. What? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Single name, Lavani. Damn. Is he gonna dance around in a fucking black dress and make and t- transform into a murderer of crows? Does Does he not sound like a <laughs> like a vampire character? <laughs> he wicked does, He's dude. Gotta be Ravnos. You shoot a fucking gun at him and he just disappears into birds. <laughs> 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 a flock of birds flying away. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. No, but um, so he's obsessed with a gar. I mean. He, these people are being possessed by some sort of gar gargui, as it were. Gargui, which are dra- which are which are pushing them to do terrible, heinous things. Mostow is victim number one, even though he kills people, and then Red's victim number two, who kills people. Um, and I'm guessing the gargui just sort of skates. Yeah, I mean that's it, right? Keeps sliding that's- along like uh, like fallen, right? Yeah, I think that's kind of what we have going on there. And interesting that we use gargoyle as the as the agent of terror in question. Um, so plot-wise, it's just kind of simple. That's it. That's all it is. And, and the agents sort of fumble around and, and they don't really... I mean, they don't prevent anything, I guess. Well... I mean, they, I mean, they, arrest, they arrest Red in the end. They, they arrest Mostow, they arrest Red, and I guess the gargoyle moves on to the next place where it will uh, you know, send out its wrath. Here, right? Here's the weird thing. I'm going to give you a grocery list size length things of grocery list size list. That doesn't Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm going to name a bunch of shit. I, I think are (laughs) awesome about this episode. And yet I'm only coming off with a, like a tepid to mild like, okay, well stop on the tepid. Can you tell me, can you zero in on what your problem is? No, I'm going to start with what I like. Okay. And then I'm going to pose some questions about maybe what's missing. 
So, all right, and and we'll we'll why don't we talk about the bullets of the things we like? I have a funny feeling we're going to like a lot of the same things here. All right, you want to start? Sure. Okay. It's visually very compelling. Fucking awesome. Very visually compelling. Some of the best um, like light and shadow work, maybe in the show. Yeah. Yep. It. it honest to God, it's it, it can't be overstated. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't really know who directed this one. Who was it? Kim Manners? Did he direct it? He did, and it was his favorite of of season three. Interesting yeah. that it's his favorite that he directed. Mm-hmm. One, of, one <laughs> of those fucking guys. He directed multiple. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing. He's talking about of his, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm being a prick. But oh, yeah. So it's very. It's visually very, very compelling. Um, it's edited very well. Uh, so it's technically good. And, and I mean technically in the literal sense, right? I'm not being cute. Like technically, technically, I mean, it's, like, technically. I, it's like technically executed. Mm-hmm. There are moments where you have the light from the projector in Scully's face. There are moments where the shadow play is outstanding. The gargoyles look great. The use of blue is remarkable. It's a Michael Mann very, level blue. Very cool. Say that again. It's a Michael Mann level blueness. Dude, yeah. There is a scene at the very end of the episode, and I just went, man, this is just nice to look at. When he and it's, when they go up on the rooftop and they're chasing through dude, that factory. Up in the rooftop, the that was. there's this gray shot of the vehicle pulling in right um, right as Mulder's getting there. Um, it's right at the 34 minute and 51 second mark. The vehicle pulls into that yard, and it, we, it cuts to a guy on a roof. We got a roof shot, or maybe even a crane shot, and we just watch the car roll in. Crane turns, car parks. It's got it's wet, wet streets. Very Michael Mann. We cut to Mulder walking. Boom! We cut to a medium shot of Mulder walking. That's just fucking tight. Like that was awesome, man. I was like, dude, this guy is. This is really. There's a lot of visually compelling things here. Like it just it. When something is visually compelling, it does a good job of not only sort of telling the story for you, or at least invoking the correct ambiance and mood, but it really drags you in because you can't look away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not. It's not janky. When, when shit's janky, you go, ugh, God, this is fucking janky, right? And you feel, sometimes you'll watch a movie and you're like, ugh. And sometimes if you, if, if, you, if you don't think about it, you're not exactly sure why. And a lot of times it can be just a camera work can throw you off. Sometimes you don't even recognize that until you watch it again. You go, oh, maybe it just feels weird and claustrophobic and, and shit like that. But visually, man, this episode is gorgeous. And, and yeah, so let's make no exception the, the roof scene is amazing. A tiny little subtle moment of, of um, there's this moment where at the end they're running around on the roof and you see this red dot on Scully. I don't know if you caught that and it's from fucking Mulder's pistol. I it, it's, saw it, that. It, I rewound it like three times. Yeah. I was like, that's gotta be Mulder's gun. What a surprise, Mulder flagging a fucking fellow I know. agent. I know. Shocking fucking. with <laughs> his, his pistol proficiency. Uh, the, 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 the set, the sets, but let's talk about the prop department. Oh, I mean, dude. these gargoyles are amazing. Finding a body in a gargoyle. I mean, this that made me think of Sicario pulling the people out of the fucking drywall. Mm. All of the visual components of this episode are very, very good for me. So that's definitely a plus for me as well. Um, yeah. I mean, do you want to throw one out? Yes. Or do I, you want to keep riffing on that? I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll go to Poundtown with you on the visuals. Right. It's, it's un- Eiffel Tower. <laughs> yeah. Wobbly. That's Eiffel Tower, those visuals. A little maybe. wobbly H. A <laughs> little wobbly H. Double That's high right. fives over the top. Yeah. So it's, maybe you, maybe you step on a kid's toy mid thrust. I don't give a fuck. I mean, it's so 
the shadows, the shadow play through the whole episode. There's so much of of that on the characters' faces, and it's hard to do that in like primetime TV. To, for, for sure, to have an episode where you're willing to so often not have people, not have your star as well illuminated, is just hard to. It's hard to pull off. It's hard it's to risky. get away with. Yeah, it's risky. Yep, it's, and it's risky. And I love it. You know, and and there's a lot of. There's a lot of really close tight shots, you know, and there's and the you know the colors, all that stuff. So I'll just I'll double down on that. Conceptually, the gargoyle thing is very cool and it's executed extremely well. They look fucking great. The idea of like the the victims being inside of these things. You mentioned Sicario. I, I, mm. Like in a more, much more comical way, I thought of uh, Ghostbusters. When oh, dude. Nice. <laughs> when Great pull. When they're busting them out after uh, they take down Gozer. Yeah. Um, but it's, God, another visual moment. 34 minutes and in, in 18 seconds into the episode is Mulder on the couch. He sits up and they totally blank him out in shadows and the light from the windows on the gargoyles behind him. Mm. What a fucking shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Dude, so anyway, many keep great going. Um, it's so good. And it just qu- such good like composition. Since I just mentioned it, White Death in the chat mentioned what else has corpses inside statues? I couldn't figure it out, but it feels so familiar. House of Wax, baby. Okay, maybe that's what I was thinking of cuz I thought the same thing. I was thinking Ghostbusters and then I kind of got down like a little bit of rabbit hole. It's kind of cool they were talking about historical incidents of where they found like bodies inside of statues. Like I guess the Easter Island statues have bodies inside oh, of them. Oh, no like, way. There's a lot of historical statues that are also kind of like tombs in additionally, which is pretty fucking groovy. Yes. House of Wax for sure though. Um but so that's all great. The 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 idea of the episode we've joked about this how I I feel like the the show doesn't always give enough, you know, credit maybe, or, or maybe we just like playfully mocking the idea of, of Mulder is this incredible profiler, but then, you know, he, he's in the X-Files and he has these like crazy leaps of illogic and he's, sure. he's right, you know, shooting from the gut. And yet he's this incredible profiler. And here you have the guy that's maybe his mentor, this dude, that's like the, the father of profiling of, you know, of the FBI mm-hmm. and you know the performances by by Red, who I love. Performance performances. Let's talk the the the, the, the Lavani who plays Mostow. Dude, that guy's great. So fucking good. What I mean, this guy is fucking going for it. Yeah, Dude. you know what I mean. I, I I know that might sound a bit crass, but he really is going for it. Dude, it was it was like his second or third credit ever, and he he lost like ten pounds for the role just to just to look like a little bit extra crazy, like really wanted to to pull it off and i he fucking totally does it for sure totally does it so that's all love i love this idea of like facing down this mentor but there's this weird relationship between them like you know there's Mulder always thinks like had always thought that he didn't think highly of him but he really did but you know that's kind of how he drove Mulder is by never giving him approval by by continuing to kind of Shh. Sure. Poke him along. Yeah, like the, the misdirect is nice, right? Like yeah. you think he's a ball breaker, but he does like Mulder a lot. Yeah, I like that. And getting getting this part of Mulder like pulled up to the surface of like, you know, we've always talked about how um shit, I'm blanking on the name now, but who Monty Props, right? Monty Props. They talk about how he brought down Monty Props. This Mulder as a profiler before he became Mulder of the X Files. Like all that shit, like, wow, that's really interesting to to pursue that that lead. So I mean all that shit. Love all of it. It's all great. And yet, 
there's some couple other things. Yeah, go. Can I? Yeah, give more. Give more. The last ten minutes I really enjoyed. Okay, and it starts with the, the this this really interesting choice on the music. I was like, man, this is so weird, but I really like it. Um, so, so, so the last two things I, I just want to talk about is just the the last ten minutes. It starts with that shot I was describing. Sh- should I play a clip? Actually, yeah, fire it up. It, it kind of starts with this interesting, almost waltzy kind of sound. Let's see if I can get it. You can hear that. And then it gets more melodic coming up here. It's fucking cool. It's very different for Mark Snow. Before the strings come in, it sounds like the beginning of a fucking typo negative song. Right. Or like a John Carpenter picture. Yeah. It's cool, man. Like that, that is a really interesting choice. And it and it and it's funny that the music sort of introduces this final ten minutes of the episode, as it, you know, it, it has almost a gothic flair to it, which which brings me to the other thing that I like about this episode, which is, and maybe I like the idea more than the execution, but but we can talk about that. But I like the idea of this sort of hearkening back to the Cthulhu tales of the thirties which is this idea of your investigators facing their own sanity and being sort of consumed by that which they're hunting. This, you know, watching Mulder kind of lose his shit, not really, like, Mulder's not here right now. You know, he's doing that crane thing for Batman. Uh, you know, he's like, he's starting to lose his, his shit and, and watching Scully's concern for him, that moment where, where Mulder asks her off the record, she doesn't answer, and he says, I am too. Like, that leads up to this here. And just watching Mulder kind of be consumed, he, he starts getting all fucking, you know, Patrick Swayze, he's like fucking spinning clay out here and shit. <laughs> and um, just watching him go through this and, and sort of fall into it. Like, I like the idea of a guy being sort of corrupted by the thing he is more or less chasing. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't even think of the Cthulhu thing, and that's so spot on because that's, I mean, you talk about, you know, what... Sanity is always at stake in those stories. Right. right? That tends to be, that was the fate of our brave investigators, you know, both in the original, like, Lovecraft shit, and then also, like, in, like, the role-playing game takes on it, like, it's all about losing, losing your sanity in in the pursuit of these things, and, and, and that, that as a theme is so fucking awesome, and to, to tie that into, you know, not just as a blanket theme, but literally that's the approach that Red has, right? That, yes, that Agent Patterson, this master of it. And and Mulder talks about that, that that's how he drove them, that you had to, you know, become the monster to, to catch the monster. Dude, that was some Grand Admiral Thrawn shit. Yeah. He was talking about, I think, it, I think it's an heir to the Empire where he says something like, to, you know, if you want to understand how a species may or may not react, just understand something about their art, right? That was like, that was what he would say. And I know I know Red's being more literal when he says, understand the artist, in this case, the artist of death, and then you will understand the artist. Or to become them, you... To, to catch them, you must become them. I know Thrawn was being a little bit more allegorical. Yeah. But still, I immediately thought of Grand Admiral Thrawn from fucking Air of the Empire when he said that. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. 
That's funny. So, so dude, why don't I love this episode? So I think it's, I think a couple things. I think, I don't know why you don't, but let me see if I can, if I can wrap my head around what may break it from a love to me. Listen, it's 2020. You can fully assume that you can speak for somebody else. That's what we, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do that's now. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> so um, also that guy's creepy, man. That it looks like a fucking, got that goddamn Dark Knight Joker face. Like the sides of his face are slashed. Oh like yeah. Where, when, where, his, where his mouth is. When they Ugh. find that guy at the end. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think one of the things I wanted more out of this, I think is... Maybe, maybe, so, all right, here's, the, here's what I'll try to explain. When I imagine gargoyles, I imagine them a certain way, okay? So I'm fully admitting that my own expectations of what is or is not a gargoyle comes into play here. So this is called gargui. I understand, and we talked all about what it's supposed to mean and these horrific things and all this shit, but I almost felt like I could have used maybe a little more gargoyle action, like maybe something to just indicate it was outside of just people kind of going nuts around these things. Part of me likes the subtlety of that, like going bananas around these things. But part of me wanted to be like, man, it'd be cool to see. And I know we get glimpses of it, but we never really get any answers for that. Like there's a distinct shot of red with like gargoyle eyebrows. He's got like the, he's got like the Star Trek fucking face, you know, he's got a Star Trek face, mm-hmm. <laughs> like nondescript alien, ridgy fucking eyebrows. And I was like, whoa, badass are they gonna fucking turn into garlic i thought wouldn't it be cool if that's how you get them like you they they eventually turn into these gargoyles and that somehow continues the cycle i think i wanted maybe i felt like i wanted a little bit more lore but on the but but then i'm asked but then i tell myself but you never get that out of x files a lot of time you just the point is is the mystery around the thing and you don't really understand it but i was like why are they making the clay why are like there's a lot of answers i i felt like you visually enticed me, but you never really let me feel like I understood it in any way, shape, or form. Like that's why I said the plot's so simple. It's visually compelling. It's good performances, but I never really felt like there was just an immense payoff. Okay, so I'm gonna. I definitely am simpatico with one of those Probably. elements, <laughs> but I kind of feel surprisingly differently about one. So, the do you l- like the mystery? So. I agree with the lack of payoff. That's definitely, I think, something like when it comes to the final climax, you know, at at the end, they're they're just chasing red. Like that's this is true. That's the climax. And it's kind of even though it still looks great. And there's there's some, you know, unclarity there of like this thing that jumps Mulder and then he shoots and then it's red, like whatever. But it's still just like, all right, we, we know it's red at this point, and it's, then it's just sure. kind of like we're just chasing this guy through this warehouse. Like, that that takes away some of the gargoyle mystery to me, I think. And, you know— even though, even though, on the other hand, I do like the idea of them kind of losing their sanity. But maybe my problem is, is I, I never conflated the Cthulhu-like madness with gargoyles. Maybe, maybe my own bullshit and my own past with this kind of— media is what my hang-up is do you know what i'm saying yeah well but what's weird is you talked about you know not getting enough of it what i think one of the things i i didn't love at all was the times when you see the the gargoyle like the it's, gargoyle like the gargoyle <laughs> man running around yeah i don't think i like that like i got gotcha. you i get the idea of it but when you're showing clips of like the gargoyle hand grabbing a railing as it runs and it jumps out at Mulder and it just kind of like pushes him and then like runs off 
it, it's kind of like, okay, so there is a gargoyle creature. Because at that point, it didn't seem like a matter of perspective to me. Maybe it's because they're, maybe it's because they they weren't really, maybe they were like, well, we got to show them a gargoyle, but we don't really have any ideas for how we want to do it. So let's just like have a guy run around with a gargoyle. Like it, maybe it almost feels like an afterthought and a little, maybe that's why it has a chintzy feeling to you. Maybe. Like, like commit one way or the other, kind of. Yeah, I, I kind of want, I, maybe what it is is I want less. Like almost less would be more. Less less can be more, but I but I still need more in some fashion. Do you see what I'm saying? Maybe more more on the on the the lore building and less. I of, think so. Yeah, because what I think about is Donnie Faster, right? Oh, this is so good. This idea of Donnie Faster as 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 a demon, and I'm I'm only going to reference the first episode of Irresistible because the second one is, okay. is different. But in Irresistible. There is, I think there's only one shot and it's a silhouette shot, which you don't really see a lot, but it's clearly like a the weird demonic silhouette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's a good call. And it's a good call. Yeah, that's that that's shit, the man. the only fucking actual look you get at him being a literal monster. And here right. you're like, you're not getting a perspective shot. You're seeing fucking gargoyle hands. Like you're seeing a, yeah, a gargoyle yeah, man, yeah. like run up a catwalk. And I'm like, well. Right, that doesn't so, give you anything more. Is I there think it also just sh- a gargoyle man? There's giving you more, and then they're showing you more. Right, I wanted to get more, and I don't know if that meant visually, but I needed, I wanted to understand the gargoyle piece maybe a little bit more. But um, a couple things in the chat are actually interesting to me. Um, Manja was saying that her only complaint about the episode is that it feels claustrophobic because I usually like that. And I think what she's experiencing when watching this might be similar to what I experienced, which is despite it being visually compelling, most of your shots are medium shots, medium to close, medium to close. If you, if you continuously film medium to close, you will indubitably create a, a claustrophobic feeling. Um, and, and the, the negative space is dark. They're never outside. It's never during the day. This is always at night, always in the blue. So it might cause a bit of a claustrophobic feeling. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I it, it is. It's. I think there was a lot of intrigue built up around the gargoyles that didn't really go anywhere. And I think that's kind of what I'm trying to say. We might be saying the same thing just differently. Yeah. And it's it's you know maybe just because I feel so filled with hate at the world in general right now that sure I'm being, I get that like I, I I don't like that I feel like I'm being incredibly cunty about an episode that overall <laughs> I like like this is a good episode yeah I like it and there's it's a good. ton of it shit is. I love about it and I'm sitting here like nitpicking trying to figure out why I don't fucking love it like mm, meow, mm, meow. <laughs> the missus is having a bad day guys <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a fucking Yelp reviewer at a restaurant like mm, well are you gonna leave the fridge open for much longer because it's 90 degrees out <laughs> <laughs> that kind of bullshit. Yeah. Oh fuck, man. But no, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Roger says heavy uh, HP Lovecraft creepiness. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think. Um, yeah. I. Can, can, I think at the end of the day, can we say this? When you go ahead. I'm sorry. As a blanket statement, this is a good example of style over substance. It is. I think so. Maybe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I think that's pretty much the most succinct way to explain it. Um, and so much of that has to do with the payoff because you could argue that there is substance in watching Mulder kind of go bananas and watching Scully worry about that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, you, unfortunately we never, 
I mean, we do get the moment where Scully's putting it, puts the gun on him, so that's cool. You know, I like stuff like that. It might have even been cool to see Mulder get restrained while the bad guy escapes if you really want to give us some stakes and something like that. I don't know. But um, it's definitely style over substance. I think what's interesting about that statement is sometimes style is substance, but it, it just it, it doesn't work this time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You you could say a lot of times like a, like a, a particular sequence in a Tarantino picture is style is the substance. You go, this is fucking wild. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And you're, and you're like, you're just visually like, this is bananas, but I can't stop watching it. You know, and then sometimes you go, we need substance here too. Like it's not just flashing lights and fucking bing bongs and shit like that. You know, we have to have something. There's got to be some meat on the boon. Yeah. So I guess I, I guess and I, I want to shift off the negative and kind of, and talk about some different things after this, but Scully's red fucking suit. Let's go. <laughs> the, fucking bride of one, Dracula. One of the right only there, goddamn so. flashes of color in this episode. Ooh, um, I think it's smoking, but the, uh, I guess this, this, I, the thought that maybe maybe the focus should have been either either more on this just just delve right into the the element of madness of 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 Mulder and Red like make it make that and that is like a very heavy focus of the episode but even go more into that really delve into that um, and, and less on like the actual like a gargoyle thing chasing people around. Or give that, make it more of like a monster of the week kind of thing. I think it, and maybe it's just, that's kind of how it works. Making a, making a show, making a compromise. Like you, you got to show, you got to make it yeah, like yeah. monstery. I think, I think maybe it's the balance of those two came off at a loss for me. I got you. And gar- gargoyle is tough, right? That's a, that's a, that's a tough thing to do. Oh, apparently, I'm sorry. I'm getting called out by fucking the, the, the prestigious, Knight of uh, Knight of the Order, Sir Thom in the chat. That apparently I stole his listener comment, which must have, which one I, I, he must have said sal over substance, and I oh let me see. Well, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> it's the first word of his. Uh, I'm looking here. There's a touch of style over substance going on in this episode, but that style is pretty cool. Oh, got it. Right. That's fair. Right. Well, yeah, well, that's called parallel thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did it together. <laughs> so gargoyles outside of the cartoon are hard to i think it's a challenging thing to make compelling right i wonder if we were going to talk about that yeah it's so good great but um hey real, real quick you know quick side note go hit me i don't know if it's going to happen but in the last couple of years there was talk of uh jordan peele directing a gargoyles movie adaptation. no way yeah wow. i don't think it's ever been greenlit or whatever but apparently he was interested in it the creators were very interested in him like taking it on but Man, that, Papa's got the fucking keys to the castle. That was a fucking cartoon that was ahead of its time. And if anybody could oh, figure oh. out a way to to do that a in cartoon. a live action fucking thing, yeah. If you're willing to see past the fact the fact that it's a cartoon, I believe it's on Disney Plus. If you're into that, um, the whole fucking show, the whole series is there. But um, it's it's cool. But you know, it, but it does beg the question outside of you know, making your show entirely about gargoyles. You, you know what does that kind of shit? Well, there's this really creepy, and I'm going to butcher this, and, and there's going to be people in the chat who are going to help me because I know you guys are fans of this show. Um, I see a lot of potential in the show, but I just couldn't commit to 10 seasons, and that's Doctor Who. There are these creepy fucking statues. I believe they call them like weeping angels or something. And like when you stop, if you if you don't look at, it's like if you don't look at them, how does it go? It's really creepy because they just keep appearing closer and closer to you. 
It's fucking wild, mm-hmm. dude. Somebody help me out. It's like I think if you cl- I think if you look away from them and then look back, it's closer. Ooh. So like you can't like take your fucking eyes off it. And then, like, they fucking transport you through time or some shit. Yeah, somebody's saying best monsters ever. They're fucking amazing. I never, Dude, never... I don't even watch the show, and I went into a Wikipedia rabbit hole reading about how awesome they are. I think they're called the the Weeping Angels or something. I've never really fucked like, with Doctor Who. Dude, I was like, what a cool... F- oh, blink. That's what it is. Don't blink, Carmelita says. They only move when looked at. Okay, that's when how not it looked works. At. When not looked at, yep. Yeah. So if you, every time you blink, they get closer. So they have like this strobing effect. So you blink and like, boom, it's like closer. It's fucking wild, dude. I was like, this is scary shit. I was like this. I was like, why couldn't I think of this for an RPG game? Like what a, in the fucking, in their like weeping angel statues. And it just makes them so creepy. I think that's what they're called. Can somebody correct me on that? Weeping angels? Yeah. I don't know if that's what they're actually called. Sounds good. They should be. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was something I was like, God, what, what a cool thing. And I guess, I guess my point is, is the gargoyle, I might go on a limb and say are almost perfunctory a little bit. I don't know if that's being too harsh. No. Because I, I like the aesthetic. I think that's a good way to put it. It's just the, I mean, there's a lot in the, the title of the episode, grotesque. It's not sure. called gargoyle. This is fair. Right? It's the this idea that, you know, this the face of, of a gargoyle traditionally is a grotesque looking thing. And it's, it's almost a symbol of this. It's the symbolism of it means much more than the actual thing itself, maybe, you know, and there's, you know, to, to, to give a counter to the things I've, I've said, you know, I didn't love as much. The, the one, the one kind of confrontational scene of, of facing a kind of monstrous thing, right at 34 minutes, if you want to take a look at it, Sure. But it's it's it ends up being a dream sequence of Mulder. He's he's on his back. He's looking up and oh yeah, yes. And, and Agent Red and uh, the other guy Nemhauser or whatever his name is are yeah. are over him. But the angles and the lighting, they almost it's them. It's awesome. There's no effects, but they almost have this gargoyle like look to them, and that's what I think. Yeah. I wanted more of like not literally. I don't want to see little fucking gargoyle fingers like running over railings. Like that's right. not working for me. Um, you know, it's this- like you could almost personify them in the people with with clever use of like low angle shots and like really cool top yeah. lighting get, with get, really creepy shadows. Yeah, almost get some like Sam Raimi kind of shots. You know, get some fucking I can dig that. zoom up, yeah, like yeah. come in and like look up from low underneath, like real quick. Um, with the lighting they have here. Yeah. So I think that's, that what works. And you always it. see them that way, don't you? Like, think about it. They're always in an elevated position on top of various types of architecture, churches, etc. Yeah. Somebody's saying it right now in the chat. Um, they're, they're on churches, they're protectors. And that's why, like the, you're all, think about that. You've never looked down on a gargoyle ever. You're always looking, which, which is an interesting, like eyeline sort of domineering way to consider it too. Yep. Like they're always looking down on you. So the light is always like if you shine a flashlight up at them, that's one thing. But if the lights up above them, the moons up above them, they have like really cool angular shadows and stuff. Yes. It's pretty wild. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, cool. I think that's it. But I think you're you're right in calling the gargoyles perfunctory. I think they they're they're right. almost meant to be. I think they're they're meant to just be this horrific kind of element. And and I don't have a problem with like the whole idea of like kind of carving up faces to to make them look you know, grotesque. Right. Not to be right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe that's what threw me off. Maybe that's why I'm saying I didn't get a payoff. I, 
I can't really explain why I didn't get a payoff. And maybe it's because Red looked rather pathetic, sort of scrambling across the roof. In what he wasn't super menacing. It was just like, okay, here we go. Bang, he's down, and that's kind of it. Yeah. Which, which I, I mean, I also sometimes I like an end ceremonious end, but but also, it, it, I don't know. It, it's yeah, a tough it, payoff it, too because it's it, a tough payoff. They have to make it climactic because that's how, like, you know, writing and the the the, the structure of of an episode works. But it's not really sure. all that climactic. Like at this point, it's you know it's red, and even if they give a little gargoyle a flash, it's still like a an older man <laughs> running up onto a, a warehouse <laughs> rooftop. Right, right. You're still engaged in combat with him. Yeah, and it's and and yeah. So I don't know. I think I think maybe there are just a lot of mini contradictions in my own head that cause me from really loving it, and that's. You know, I want the I want the I want the awesome power of a gargoyle and what that may or may not mean, and we never really get that. But then at the same time, I don't want to see fucking gargoyles flying around in a '90s television program, <laughs> unless it's a goddamn cartoon and it's about them. And then on the one hand, it's like, oh, it's interesting that these guys are losing their marbles and and they almost become dangerous to one another. And then I go, yeah, but but then I don't want you just sort of. <laughs> Like arresting him, <laughs> it's just you know. So it's like I have. I'm. I'm very. My problem is with this episode is me. Like I have a lot of expectations for conflicting feelings, and I can't. And I just can't get past it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I like that. Like the phone call with him and Scully, and he's like, "I'm not sure." And good stuff out of the company. And and I, I swear to Christ, I, I know. I understand that this is very, very not controversial and, and very, very, uh, you know, very hack. Julian Anderson's amazing. And it's in so much of it is just in her, just the way she acts, not even with the way she speaks, the way she might hold, the, the way she might hold her face, the way we go, man, her face is perfect right here for what Mulder is telling her. We really believe that she feels this way. Mm-hmm. And Jillian and, and Anderson, you know, we talked about. <laughs> We talked about our guy, Lavani, really fucking going for it, right? Lavani, Lavani must know, like, I'm going to go easily a dozen magic tricks. <laughs> easily. His name's fucking Lavani. Okay? You know who he reminded me of, which maybe also made me, like, extra despise him, like, in the role? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking uh, the, the German dude in Saving Private Ryan. Oh, oh, say, can you, you say, say yeah. oh, say, can you say? F- fuck, fuck Hitler, fuck Hitler. And then he puts a fucking round in. Fuck Hitler. Fuck Hitler. Yeah, then he puts a car 98 round in Tom Hanks' guts. (laughs) Fucking brutal. He fucking racks that bolt action like he was fucking eating a god, like he was flushing the toilet, you know? Yeah. "Eh, Whatever. Another dead one. (laughs) But, um, no, it's, um, yeah. So, I mean, that stuff always, always kind of works for me. But, uh, yeah. Well, I think we've, uh, we focused on the bad enough. Let's let's kind of just uh, you know, and I think we've covered a lot of of the the structure and the plot of the episode. So maybe and the good and the good and the good. Yeah, some good there too. Yeah, I want to I want to play on some more more good things and and also kind of just bounce around and and post some questions. And something that you made me just think of that I wanted to key on was you, you know talk about Scully's performance, you know Jillian Anderson's performance. Even though this is definitely more of a Mulder episode, you know it is a great very small scene in this one. Is the opening scene with the naked man who looks like Perseus from Clash of the Titans? Yeah. Uh, fucking regular Harry Hamlin in there. Now, I'm a straight hair man, but that's, uh, he's got a body on him. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's got a body. It, you know what it is? 
it's just that fucking sort of su- su- like pseudo Greek Italian kind of nice lip. Mm. Got a bit of a nose on him, but nice, nice lip. You know what I mean? Romanesque. It's, it is. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Just v- so uh, I, I vi- call him like, a, the modern day Perseus, that kid. Vaguely ethnic enough to like really like spice it up for the, the you know, the housewives. But, but also, you know, you're still white to make it safe and comfortable. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. If he wasn't, then there's no way that leg was going to do the trick on obscuring certain things. Mm, yeah. But um, so problem number one of the day would be. Watching Moscow paint me, I'd be like, can I get my robe? I'm pretty sure he's beaten off. <laughs> I do like that he's clearly uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> even in, in like that that studio, there's probably 20 whatever people sketching. The fact that uh, his just erratic movements and his fucking sweaty face and sunken eyes. I like, expected, I half expected him to catch a... Uh, Catch a fucking catch a little handful like our girl Jody Foster and Sons of the Lambs on the way out. Not the hair. Oh boy. Wait, Sorry. you distracted me from what I actually wanted to say. Oh shit, my fault. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, a thing I did like also was the scene with Scully and Skinner. Dude, it's great. A great and a a little departure from from like a lot of times when we see them like when Skinner's pulling one of them in, it's very confrontational. And here he has every every right, if not more than usual, oh, for sure. like more than usual rights to be confrontational. Like not only like are you guys kind of getting out of bounds, but like is one of our agents possibly like tampering with evidence or being involved? Like what the fuck? But the fact, you want to have a listen to it? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, wanted to see me, sir. Yes, sit down. Fucking blow you. Fucking music, man. I heard they found you in evidence. I assume you were looking for the murder weapon in this Mostow case? Yes, sir. Did you find it? No, sir. Is it your opinion the missing evidence is the same weapon you found at the crime scene earlier today? I'm not absolutely sure. She's so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But Agent Mulder's prints were found on it. Yes, sir. Have you seen Agent Mulder or spoken to him about this? No, sir. Do you have any insight into Agent Mulder's current disposition or mental state? I know Agent Mulder is working very hard on this case at your request, sir. Good partner. Are you worried about him, Agent Scully? Yeah. No, sir. Liar! Off the record. No, no. I love the fucking silence. So am I. Ah, That's fucking great! So fucking gangster. (laughs) That's a great interaction. Yep. That's a great interaction. That's, you know, Skinner not... not Another cool sh- shot, man. Another great lit scene. Yeah. Continue, sorry. You know, he's not out to smash dicks right here because he's <clears throat> he's really concerned. Right. And, uh, you know, it's it's beyond the point of just being pissed off. He's, you know, there's genuine concern about Mulder at this point. You have any insight into his disposition? Agent Mulder's <laughs> disposition. That's such a fucking only a, only a military guy uses the fucking word right. disposition. disposition. We do not know the size or disposition <laughs> of the enemy force. <laughs> Love it. That's dope. Yeah. Um, how about we've talked about lighting? We've talked about a lot of that stuff. There's also just 
really good like camera work too. I know I mentioned it a little in the beginning, but moments where Mulder's walking by a statue and then the guy, you can tell he's running like a steady cam and he just turns and puts it right in the fucking gargoyle's face and fills the screen. There's a like, l- just so many fucking cool shots like that where you're like, whoa. You have a better eye for this than I do. There's is there not a lot more steady cam work in this episode? Tons, tons, because they're following Mulder. Yeah. And a lot of handheld stuff. Like it feels like it. Yep. It feels like there's some steady cam work. More than usual. You know how you can tell? You can tell a good way to spot it is continuous shots where you know they are not on some sort of dolly track. Like like if you watch like an epic war movie. What you what what's happening there is you literally have a, like a cart on a giant fucking rail system like flying down the hill with Maximus's fucking horses <laughs> yep. to capture that shot. It's so badass, right? Yeah. But in this, like a great, if you want to watch probably the best, some of the best steady cam work ever, besides you know Goodfellas, that's pretty obviously. Just just watch the Goodfellas scene where they walk through the where they walk through oh, the kitchen yeah. and he gets his seat. It's it's brilliant. But watch the movie Children of Men. That fucking steady cam work is mind blowing. It's it's just following them, walking with them, going through, and it's insane. Still never seen but that. You, oh, dude, it's it's fucking great. Do you know the premise? Uh, yeah, it's like my fucking dream. Humans stop dude, stop reproducing, right? They they can't. Yeah, and and it's interesting because the news is like, well, you know, um, the the you know when I like the youngest person died today, and they're like, oh, it's terrible. And like, and then there's this pregnant woman and they're like, fuck, like the implications are so insane because the world is just falling into turmoil because everyone's like, we're all going to die. Like the species is ending and Clive Owen is great in that movie. Yeah. But um, yeah, there is like, you know, some of it is, there is a lot of cuts too because it's TV. They're not going to be like, let's do a Goodfellas continuous shot. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're not going to, they don't have the time for that kind of like bullshit. like out of place a little bit, but. Right, you'd be like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" But but th- there is there is there is some movement and stuff like that. But but a lot of it is just the use of like a lot of low angle shit and lighting. Looking low angle is just a fancy way to say looking up at. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking up at you. That's just the low angle. That's like you know sabotage. BC boys, the fucking cameras <laughs> yeah. up there. They're like wrapping down Coming into the down camera and shit. A lot of hand, right, right, a lot right. Of hand work. <laughs> a lot of hand work. Um, what you what you what you want? <laughs> So we brought it up before as a concept, but to talk about it in detail, what do you, how do you think they handle Mulder's actual descent into madness? Like we talked about it as a concept, like the whole Cthulhu thing. I might have tipped my hat by saying, I like the idea, but I'm not sure it's executed particularly well. Do you feel like it just kind of like happens? Like we, we, we see the effects without really seeing it happen. Um, if I, if, I don't know if I'm phrasing that right, but I know I think. Uh, in other words, are you saying do we go from OK Mulder to Spooky Mulder? Right. <laughs> well, he's always Spooky Mulder. <laughs> Kooky Mulder. Kooky is Mulder. that better? <laughs> do, do we go? Are, are we going from Spooky to Kooky? Right. Like, I is mean, there is there gradations? Is your is that what you're asking? Yes. Like we we all know the episode tells us for sure. There's no doubt of why this is happening. The fact that it's this you know, delving into the mind of, of the monster, basically to, to be, you know, to catch the monster must become the monster. Like thematically, I think they cover it, but, but how do you think they actually handle showing us that happening to Mulder? That's a great question. And, and thank you for asking. So what I will say is this, <laughs> You're welcome. um, this, you, you might be, the way you phrase that question is actually making me think of 
may be part of the almost part of the problem with it because conceptually I want this, but executed it is not particularly well done. And two things. In fact, Moxie in the chat is even saying what I'm about to say, which is you can't accomplish that in an hour of TV, especially if that hour is, especially if, if in that hour, and it's not even an hour, it's 44 minutes, especially if in that 44 minutes, that's not even the focus of the episode in general. Um, I think it's, I think we're stretching credulity to not believe that they're to, to we're stretching credulity. If we don't believe that, how do I want to say this? It might be easier to say it this way. It's very unrealistic for us to assume that Mulder's delving into the mind of a crazy person and losing his marbles enough to where he's punching suspects and kind of acting like he's a little bit gonzo. And that's, I think, why I am feeling like I needed more from the gargoyle aspect of this versus just tracking down a killer. Now, if you want to make this a three-season arc, and in the third season, we come back to the story and Mulder's still after this guy and he's starting to lose his fucking mind, then sure. But this does happen rather rapidly. That said, that can work if the supernatural reason is present, but we're just kind of told that that's the way it's going to be. We don't, we don't really see a reason as to why that is. We just have to accept the fact that it is that. So it does feel a little bit rushed to me. Maybe that, Does that make sense? Yes, because conceptually... ironically the thing that we don't see that kind of makes more sense and we only get from basically kind of exposition unfortunately is when Mulder confronts Red he talks about how you know I I get it your years spent on this case you know as you delve into the the mind of this guy like you taught us to like the thing that we don't see we don't see Red's descent to madness he just we don't see he just becomes a monster Right. But there's more legitimacy to it versus Mulder. Yes. We we see his descent, but we don't really buy it because it just fucking happens. And it's not, I don't think we're really. There's no obvious supernatural presence making it happen. No. I th- and I don't even think right. that, I don't think the episode wants us to think that it has a hold on Mulder. It's more that, I, I think it's more just like his profiler mind trying to get to that point. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe I'm wrong. This is how I took it. But, um, you know, uh, ironically, dude, <laughs> this this might be an episode of of, of X Files that would benefit the most from being a fe- feature length film. I, I'm not saying Maybe. that I would argue. No, no, that yeah, no, yeah, it's worth making it a feature film. But if you think about the second, what they're trying to do, right? yeah, and if you think about the second X Files movie, um, it's not what is it? Jesus Christ, Fight the Future is the first one, right? Dude, Jesus Christ, oh I'm God, no BP cool. is about to fucking. His blood pressure is just skyrocketing. The second fucking, one, fucking right? Vesuvius, <laughs> with yeah. with with uh with the dude from the fucking Scottish guy, yeah, right, the priest there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I want to believe Jesus Christ. Thank you, Moxie. <laughs> so that that movie is really that is an episode made into a movie, which was probably its biggest criticism. But sure. you know, like, man, if X Files was made today, and it could, you could. It had the kind of budget of a fucking Netflix or an Amazon Prime show, and you could have like one out of every eight or one out of every ten episodes be a fucking hour and a half, hour forty-five. Mm-hmm. This episode could really fucking benefit from it because, yeah, I think that would give us the time to 
to do the things that we feel are 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 smushed maybe a little bit too much into this. I dig what you're saying, and I'm gonna and, and that's being echoed a bit a bit in the chat in a, in a different way by suggesting this has been done better in different episodes. Um, they're discussing pusher. So here's here's what I, which I know is a great episode, even though I don't remember a ton of it. But here here's what I will say: There's one of two things happening. Okay, if you want a Cthulhu-like presence or the stress of a case to make our main characters start to lose their grip, then you need to do that in the proper amount of time. So there's two things. There's one, you are being influenced by something that is not natural. In other words, you're being supernaturally affected. Or you are just feeling the stress of the, of the case. Stress of the case requires timing. It requires time. We have to see that wearing and tearing on you. And not in one case that spanned a few days. Right. I mean, but we could, like, for example, if this was, and I know I have this remarkable ability to reduce anything to everything to vampires, but if there is this really seductive vampire, man or woman, it doesn't really matter, and they were influencing Mulder, we would go, holy fuck, that makes total sense. It's this powerful creature. It's influencing Mulder. And, the, and you could be cute in the X-Files kind of way and say, maybe it is a vampire, maybe it isn't. But we would go, this makes sense. Why so quickly he could be beguiled? why so quickly he could fall under this spell because we understand that's how it works. And we frame the whole episode that way. This one, it's almost like they're flirting with that possibility, but I'm like, are gargoyles possessive? Like, is that like, well, in other words, the gargoyle lore again is still a sticking point for me because I go, well, I don't quite get it. So is he feeling the stress of the case or is there a supernatural power that's corrupting him into going kind of cuckoo? And they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. You might be under the stress of a case of a supernatural thing that's also affecting you. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But but it's never the the the, the, the delineation is never clear to me um, enough to where I buy it. it. It it just is a bit quick. And if and if I'm not mistaken, isn't Anasazi like a three parter? Yes. So three, now I don't three think or two parter. But okay. But but it's also it's also mythology, which brings me to the question. This is of, true. I don't this know if they've ever done. A straight up two parter monster of the week. There, there have been monster of the weeks that come back. That, ha- huh. but I don't know. And I'll throw it out to the chat. I don't know if they've ever deliberately just done a straight up back to back two parter that is only a monster week that does not deal with mythology. And that's kind of the nature of how they wrote the show and how they did it is that you know especially cranking out fucking 24 episodes a season very sure. difficult logistically to do that but you know you know i talked about like you know yeah if you could do an hour and a half episode but maybe you could do, you could have done the same thing in a two-parter i mean yeah you have the time you have the the build-up the first you know the first part could introduce the case and you know it, it could even it could even span over over multiple cases like maybe when they first meet red it's you know it's it's cogent to this. It's not even literally like diving into this case. He's working on it, but they're, they're working on something else. But Patterson comes up and then that draws them into this case. And there's more time yep, to, I dig that. to build up this relationship. There's more time for Mulder to fucking dive into it. There's more time to establish whatever lore they want to establish. And there, you know, there's moments too, where Nemhauser could have, could have, you could even, and again, I don't like showing, not telling, but that, that aside, maybe there could have been a scene showing showing uh um Patterson's sort of descent but but even when in in you know a couple things again back to some things i like i like the discussions between Scully and and Nemhauser 
Yeah. Like I like it because it turns it on its head. It's not like we're here to defend our partners. It's like, let's, let's get down to brass tacks here, you know? And I like that. But then it's also a moment where we could have said, maybe Memhauer should be like, yeah, I mean, he's kind of, ooh. Dude, you are hitting on something. Right? Patterson. The fact, he, he, right? The, you, what you're saying, the, the fact that they're both dealing with their partners descending into madness, like, right. that could have been a, a, an opportunity. Yes. Right? But, but again, yeah. it's too much to do in, in 44 right. minutes. You'd have to restructure the whole episode, which yeah. is easy for us to say, but that's the point of a podcast. <laughs> We're, hey, listen <laughs> to us. We're pros. We got it, babies. Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, obviously. All of our ideas are free of studio input, which is probably why sometimes they might even be better. It's just they can't be executed. You know, it's like <laughs> the guy's like, yeah, that doesn't work on TV, dickhead. Yeah. But no, it's a, it's a thing. You know, it's you have this opportunity where it, 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 I, I think, you know, maybe and and make no mistake about it. Kurtwood Smith's outstanding. He's great. Um, maybe instead of maybe, maybe, maybe we pull the reins on the on the rivalry a little bit. And we and we and we let the reins out a little bit on maybe we make Patterson a little bit more cuckoo and Mulder being like instead of mad at him being like man something's off with him this isn't the guy I right yeah. something like that something to to clue us in on the fact that this is the effect it's having versus us sort of just being surprised it's him and then mad you know fucking Mulder's making clay shit and going cuckoo <laughs> in like in like one sequence do you know what I, I mean I got Mulder making the clay right now it's. <laughs> Kind of silly. It's goofy. This is a goofy talk. But um, <laughs> but maybe something like that. You know, maybe maybe and, and that's probably you know, Moxie's onto something by saying it's gothic fiction, focused on literary ideas of grotesque and the uncanny. Um, yes, it, it just it 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 almost feels like it wants to try to engage thematically in a couple different things, like ooh, professional rivalry, ooh, madness, ooh, like you. It, it's it's I don't know. I I think that's. I think that's what holds it back just a little bit because it's so many things working for it. You know, it is intriguing to, to, it's just cool to go to a place where a guy has a bunch of fucking statues and yeah. his cat's jumping around and shit hanging on all over the walls and he's a fucking weirdo and he says crazy shit. Like, you, you have my attention. Yeah. Right? God, it, it looks so good, man. Just having it running with the sound One off. One of the best looking eps in a while. Oh, man, it's so fucking dope. Yeah, yeah. One of the best looking, and, and the music's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe but it's like I still like it. I, you know, it's like I'm mean, I, I'm just too. It's just too much of a visual feast to 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 not watch. Mm. Versus, like you know how we talked about what's the prison app? The oh, there's been multiple where the guys in prison. JT Walsh is in it. The inmates are dying. Sleepless, the one the the vet guys. No, they're not vet guys. Eh, fuck, I can't remember the name of it. What um, what's this season? Last season. Dude, my my, I have terrible fucking memory. But my point oh, the is, list. is the list, the list. Thank you. Yeah, with it, with, so the, yeah. the, the uh, executing that. The pro, so that so there's an episode where I go, man, it's just visually kind of ugh. Yeah, because it's all like prison shots, and it's just it doesn't. There's a couple of moments, but mo, for the most part, you go, ugh, it's just an ugly episode. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, and this is the opposite of that. Yeah, totally. Well, shit, man, I got I got one other very important question for you. Hit me. It's uh one of the the victims here this this glass blower mm. if you could be glass. could be extremely skilled <laughs> like an a yeah. level of some sort of like crafty kind of artistic thing so like a, a like a craft like a craft like yeah. think about a non weapon proficiency in D&D second edition god damn it 
non-weapon bullshit. What would you choose? Oh, God. Hey, I'm talking about, this on me now. I'm talking about, like, you know, you got glass blowing, jewelry making, calligraphy, fucking leather working, tailoring. What are you going with? Um, if I was could pick any one craft and be amazing at it, mm-hmm. non-weapon proficiency, you're talking D&D? Yeah. 100 thousand percent blacksmithing oh yeah banging metal making swords brawny arms sweat all day <laughs> are you kidding me i'm just imagining myself doing it <laughs> just clanging and banging brother pecking pecking fucking stick it in the water <laughs> fucking pull out the sword <laughs> come on dude you had to know that was the answer. You knew that was the answer. <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. I mean, banging metal, bending metal to my will, making killing things Dude, out of the earth. I have to say, like, I I have done minimal, minimal metalworking, but, like, just working on a farm, like, you know, like, I can do, like, very basic welding and, like, very, very basic, like, fucking metal fabrication, like, functional shit. It looks like shit, but, like, if I have to do something... But every once in a while, I've had to like take a fucking piece of iron and like heat it up with a fucking torch yeah, and fucking torch. bang it on a, an anvil. Makes you feel like a man. It does. <laughs> Makes Absolutely you feel does. Like a real man. Welding's pretty cool. And just that noise, you get that rhythm, like naturally, just that to tang, to tang. And finally, that that fucking torch. But no, man, I'm telling you, banging metal, that would be, if I could. Yeah, dude, Valerian Steel Millie knows what's up. <laughs> but I want to hear that dun 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 blah, 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 the fucking Conan music. I, I would put headphones on, that would kind of kill the image, and listen to fucking Conan the Barbarian as I banged metal. Are you kidding? The riddle of steel. The riddle of steel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. That would be my craft of non-weapon. I kind of fucking skimped out on you, didn't I, though? It's still a weapon, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, I'll give it to you. You're not a wielding It's weapon it. adjacent. It's weapon yeah. adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Well, man, I don't know. Uh, we've meandered all over this fucker. Is there, uh, what else do you want to, anything else you want to bring up on, on Grotesque before we hit some listener comments and, and what, and wrap up? Um, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I'm not. Nothing's really jumping out at me. Hold on. I'm trying to think. Um, oh, whoops. Sorry. Sorry. Jesus Christ. I didn't mean to do that. Stupid thing. I fucking hit the goddamn button. What even is that? I thought you were about to play some Conan. <laughs> I, oh, no. I thought you were no. fucking with me. <laughs> like you were slow, oh, wait. That's a good idea, right? your setup. Clum laughs at the four winds. It's it's Anvil. I, that this would be this would be my song, <laughs> something like that. But no, I um I uh I don't know if I have any final thoughts. I think we've kind of covered it. I really um I really dig this up, dude. I I don't love it though because it's missing some things. Yeah, I'm I'm stronger on it than I was when we started, but it's still a it's a solid like for me now. That's totally fair. Yep, more than fair. And and it's one I'd be happy to watch. And especially, man, if there's any episode that benefits from throwing it on the background and just glancing up at it now and then, whew, yeah, perfect for this one because it looks fucking dude. good. Looks real. It does. Good. It does. And that's God. That's one of the things. But I know you had some. Um, do you have any questions for us? Um, I, d- I did. You were supposed to pick one out. You fuck. I know. <laughs> I fucking failed you hard. <laughs> should I? Uh, <laughs> should I just pull one? You could, but 
since you since you asked since you asked i mean um well why don't you pull one you you just just fucking pull it out there all right um i'm 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 ill prepared for a couple of these definitely require they're they're great up great questions but require some heavy forethought this is more of a uh just kind of think out loud as we go through it this is an interesting one from uh our old friend here diane walker renaud what makes a tv show a fangirl fanboy interest or obsession certain shows seem to resonate with all genders and x-files is one of them why do you think the easy answer is because great male and great female protagonists if you're asking why it why it captures both man and woman is that is that what she's asking yeah basically like i mean i think basically she's asking like a lot of a lot of shows traditionally might resonate more with one gender than the other and i think x-files is pretty straight down the middle like i I think you have a pretty dead even mix of 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 who who ties into this i i think that's that's the the heart of the matter for sure Mm -hmm. um is is having and this goes back to something we've talked about before is is it's a good question by the way is writing not writing a male character and a female character writing two great human characters mm-hmm. and then in the details one of them is a man and one of them is a woman and those one has a front hole one has a front <laughs> hole <laughs> fucking poetry uh, fuck you know me bro uh, but i think a lot of the times like and honestly i, I think you know you, you read a lot of behind the scenes stuff there was pressure from fox to they didn't want jalen anderson they wanted more of like a like a you know yeah like a buxom a kinda, bombshell kind of looking like a fucking bimbo which is silly because how goddamn gorgeous is uh yeah Jill Anderson, but but I, th- I think that's the core of it is just having having these two super amazingly well-written characters that are partners and the fact that it's a man and a woman are are afterthoughts because that doesn't happen anymore like and again, not that it was an afterthought. Like, yes, I know they. I'm sure they sat down. They said that we're going to have a male lead and a female lead. I'm not. I'm not pretending that that was it like probably it. It doesn't happen in. It, it doesn't happen. It might be better to say it's certainly something that is now becoming a focal point for major pictures. Right? You you, you can still find these gems, just probably not these big blockbusters. But I, I guess is what. I just I'm putting an addendum on that a little bit. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and but um and th- but to your point, it's like, yeah, I think it was it was it was it was it by de- it's possible it was by design. It's possible they were like, let's get a man and a woman in the lead and make them partners and have this tension and we'll get men and women to watch it. It's possible that that was part of it, but they clearly weren't leading with that. They weren't leading with gender. They were leading with these characters are interesting and here's why. Mhm. Like you said, they happen to be man and happen to be woman. And, I'm, and I think, go ahead. I'm reading more into the into the chat to maybe expand or to to clarify the question. Is it? It's also not. It, it is. Uh, it resonates with all genders, but also the fact that it just it resonates to such a passionate degree that okay that it 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 not only hits both genders, but it it creates a passionate fan base with with both genders that not just. I see. They like it, but they're rabid. I'm. I'm just. I'm trying to. Uh, trying to delve into. What, okay. Yeah. So what? What makes? Yeah. There's. I think part of this. Here's what I think. I think it resides mostly in the science fiction realm. Uh, science fiction fantasy seem to attract passionate fan bases. 
Um, I don't really know why, but we can probably speculate a little bit, right? Like, think about it. You know, Firefly, good show. Not the best show in the world, but a good and cool show, a cool idea, very passionate fan base. Star Trek has a very passionate fan base. Um, fucking Farscape. Like, these shows, Doctor Who, passionate. Like, these people, are. they go to conventions. They fucking dress up. They own all the seasons. They get all the fucking toys. Yeah. X-Files, too. You know what I mean? Um <clears throat> Yeah, it, 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 I, I, I guess there's part of that. That's I think there's a lot of things that go into that, but part of it too. for sure with sci-fi in general and X Files in specific is 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 finding finding a home in something where you don't always find a home. I think sure. I think there's a lot of people that you know might watch X Files and find things that that pull at them a lot more than fucking Beverly Hills 90210 or whatever other garbage was on in the fucking early 90s that was equally or, or more popular, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, oddly enough uh, and I you know, I know it's a hop on word, but I think they're pretty fucking inclusive. Yeah. I think I think science fiction I think it's always been kind of inclusive without saying we're inclusive. And which is and, which is the key to inclusivity that they don't fucking do anymore. And and to be clear, that's not to say that being a sports fan is not inclusive. But there are cer- sometimes I think, like if you're if you're maybe less physically inclined or you just don't care, you, because there are plenty of people who are like this is fun. Come over, we'll watch the game. It's fun. Come do this. In that in that can you know sports teams have passionate fan bases. Um, and, and is it because it's inclusive? I don't know. I think it's because you're, you're cheering for something that you feel is bigger than you and there's a camaraderie involved and everyone gets together, has a communal feeling to it. But, but science fiction has been inclusive in that when we were kids, it's very different now. It's much more mainstream. Like when we were kids, like when I was in high school, we were this anomaly where we would play sports and then play D and D and people like you guys are fucking weird, but we like you. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have that bullied in high school thing. Like that didn't happen to us. We were, we, we kind of had this weird bridging of the gap. Um, but I always have thought like sci-fi was it, it, it's inclusive in that you're dealing with aliens. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that's, that's an immediate inclusivity as it were in a lot of things like that, where you go, wow, you know, there's, well, there's a, there's a female captain. That's cool. You don't think about it, but it's true. And I just think there's probably something to be said there. Um, this actually goes right back to when we did that listener questions bonus app, that great one, um, that was off one of those contests we did. Right. Yeah. And it was a great one from Sir Thom, which was kind of, kind of poking us on exactly what we're talking about. And he's actually in the chat right now and just mentioned it's, it's a haven for the outsiders. And I think like when you watch a show like, you know, fucking Beverly Hills, nine hundred two and oh, or whatever, like, you know, just, pretty people leaving, leading pretty lives in high school drama and like whatever, you know, they, it, it, it casts a wide net and it gets a lot. But if you have like a, because a lot of people can relate, right. To it, you know what I mean? Relate to it because everybody's kind of been in that situation, but a lot of people don't. Sure. They look at that and a lot of people go like, I kind of fuck that. And I think mm-hmm. those people are the people that look at this and like, okay, like here you, I mean, you, you're kind of getting the benefit of both sides, right? You still have beautiful people. You still have fucking <laughs> David Duchovny and Julian Anderson but you have people with quirks and with with twists and they're dealing with shit that's outside of the normal and they're you also if i may even get a little psychological here and maybe our resident psych people can 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 talk about this 
um, I think you see adults engaging in things that you might not have been completely supported at, you know, when you were a kid, like to see Gillian Anderson, the actor, the character engaging in supernatural things, you go, cool. Like there's adults doing this. Like, it's not just a kid's, th- you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, you know what I'm stretching on here? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you feel what I'm stretching on, but that's kind of what I'm also saying. Um, I also think that because of a lot of the social uh, stigma that is attached to this stuff from the eighties and shit, especially, um, and, and that was just true of so many things like science fiction was pulp nonsense, even in the fifties. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And in literary people are like, this is garbage. <laughs> and then people like Frank Herbert, like uh, ha ha touche. Here's a fucking book called Dune, you know, yep. like that's a Frank Herbert, yeah, Frank Herbert. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you, you have this and if anybody shows any interest in it whatsoever, you go, Oh my God, it's so cool. Let me, let me show you like, and I think that's the inclusiveness of it. You know, it's, it's, and it's not trying to be, I think that's a thing. You know, I don't, you know how I feel about all that shit, but one of the things that we, LSG, us all were complimented on by John DeGreither, a British chap once upon a time, as he said, you know, you guys have made this podcast and it seems very inclusive. And I'm like, yeah, but not by design. And maybe that's why, because we're just people and we don't think we're better. Like we, <laughs> we're just here. Like we're, you know, and, and I think sci-fi is just like, here we are. Like, we're not. We're not trying to say, like, we're here for your consumption. We're not trying to be better than you, and you're more than welcome to come watch it with us. It's not, yeah. you don't feel like there's a barrier to entry. You can just pick it up if you can get over the fact that somebody might be like, oh, you like Farscape? The fuck's the matter with you? But all that's kind of going away anyway. You know what I mean? And I think there's also people who feel like that's a good thing. Like, the fact that, you know, if you would have told me in 1989, Dean, someday, there's going to be a show called Game of Thrones that everyone watches. And here's what it's about. I would say, no, nope, not going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, no. Everyone. Like the, the fucking, the square like guy in your office is going to, is going to watch it. But, and, and then we talked about all this before, but this entertainment is also getting to the point where now the adults are in charge of it. You know, like it's, it's interesting, man. Like those people are now the old guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's a changing of the guard, so to speak with all that crap, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what in particular makes sci-fi people passionate. And I, I think it's because they're kind of trying to cling to anything that they can be accepted into. Yep. You know what I mean? I Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just that everything you said about sci-fi is spot on. And then when you talk about X-Files in particular, you know, there, there's not a lot of people that don't have at least a passing interest in the idea of these paranormal things. Like, 100%. You know, even if you're not like, you don't believe in it or like whatever. Like it's just, it's interesting concepts. And then you take these two incredibly well-written characters and in a way, what man that I would ever want to fucking have anything to do with wouldn't look at Mulder and find something about him compelling. And what man wouldn't look at Jillian Anderson and find something about her compelling. And it's also and grounded, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's grounded. I mean, you have, these you might, it might be hard to take an old school fucking kind of person and be like, here's Star Trek or here's X-Files. Like X-Files seems like an easier barrier to entry. I'm just talking generically here. An easier barrier to entry for somebody to sit down and watch where it's like, what are they in fucking space and these aliens talk? This is goofy. Like if I give you, a, 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 if I give you crime, 
yet something is amiss, people go, ooh, wait a minute. That's more tangible to reality. You know, some people just won't go for a Star Trek or Star Wars because it's just too out there. Yeah. Like spaceships, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, this is- What are you talking about? Just regular people dealing with irregular shit. But if I say, hey, a couple of the FBI investigators are investigating this weird cult and maybe things are a little bit more than a cult, because, you know, like people go, I'm all right, all right. <laughs> you know, okay. it's like- I don't know. Well, good. I'm, I'm, I'm real. This is all speculative. I apologize, but um, well, I, th- but that's, that's why you fucking. I mean, yeah, if you man. want us to to speculate and answer, or not even answer the question that you attempted to ask, uh, go ahead and join the Facebook group and throw us a question, and we might uh, address it on a future episode. It'll be posted up by the top, and uh, <laughs> we'll get along to it. And we're still doing our little mask giveaway, so Diane uh, will hit you up after this one and. Get you to pick out your little fucking X Files Facebook mask and Hell yeah. let it get boom. And, uh, and and Millie said romance intention attracts people. It does. Unrequited love is huge. Yeah, we all want what we can't have, and that's um. In, in romantic tension is it's titillating, you know. I like it. But uh, all right, um, anything else? No, man. We'll we'll be back next time for an episode that I'm surprised we never covered because it's a soft spot for me, which is Piper Maru. Nice. The old black oil, my friend, and a lot of Alex Krychek. Oh, Krychek, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Let's go, Krychek. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get out of here, Josh, and in the spirit of the X Files tradition, do me a favor. Tell these good people goodbye. I found the truth, Agent Mulder. It's in your ass, right next to my foot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Gonna go bang some metal. You've been listening to the X Files podcast by LSG Media. Visit us on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net. 